Good morning, everyone. The Bible reading today comes from the book of 1 John, chapter 3, verse 11 through to chapter 4, verse 1. 1 John 3. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we are to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. If you could keep the Bible open to um, 1 John chapter 3. You may, if you um, have the paper version of the Bible, you might want to find Genesis 4, particularly if you're not familiar with Cain and Abel. But if you know the, the gist of that story, don't stress too much about that. I'm going to pray for us as we look at the passage that was read. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do ask that as we look at your word now, we pray that you would speak to our hearts. We're conscious too at the moment of Reich preaching in Gympie and Nathan at Wavell Heights. Lord, we pray that they would be able to preach your word faithfully and clearly with all the preparation they've done. Pray for us here. We pray that as we trust in you, uh, we pray that you would reassure us of the certainty of forgiveness and the certainty of new life in Jesus. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In John's Gospel, um, chapter 13, Jesus says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So if, as followers of Jesus, if we're loving each other, others around will know that we are believers. Love is as fundamental as that to what it means to be a Christian. So keep that in mind as you look across um, the passage here in 1 John. If you weren't here last week, I know it was Boxing Day, so a lot of you um, just didn't make it to church last week. If you weren't here last week, then here's a bit of a recap of where we're at as we come to 1 John. This is a, a short letter. I think it's meant to be an encouragement if you look at chapter 5, verse 13, I think you have there the purpose or the reason why John wrote this originally. 
So chapter 5 verse 13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. He's writing to Christians so that they would know, have certainty, be sure that they have eternal life in Jesus. It's a letter written to encourage Christians who are probably facing some difficult times. And last week I showed you a couple of places where you may may get an understanding of that. So in 2 verse 19, some of their number have left them. It's like people, I'm guessing, saying, I'm not a Christian anymore, which would be very unsettling. And down in um, chapter 2 verse 26, you've also got some of those who are left now attempting to lead other Christians astray. So there's good reasons for John to want to encourage them to say, you know you have eternal life through trusting in Jesus. And as you look across this letter, he kind of cycles around um, the same issues, love for your brothers and sisters in Christ being one of those. It's like these are tests of life. If you are loving your brothers and sisters in Christ, well, it's a telltale sign that, yes, you are a Christian. So he cycles these tests around and that they go like this. Are you trusting in Jesus? Yes. Well, if you are, you are a Christian. You have eternal life. Are you battling against sin? You're not going to be perfect. You're not going to be sinless, but are you fighting against sin? Well, yes, you are a believer. You are saved. Eternal life is at work in you. Are you loving your brothers and sisters in Christ? Well, you know that you are a Christian and you have eternal life. Are you striving to be obedient to God? Well, eternal life has begun in you. God is at work in you. So that's the kind of the big overview of the letter, a bit of an introduction. If you go back to chapter 2, though, you get a little bit of an inkling of this love idea the importance of love. So if you look back at 2 verses 9 to 11, um, he's saying love for fellow Christians is one of the signs that you really are a Christian. And he gives a positive and a negative. So 2 verse 9 says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother or sister is still in the darkness. Verse 10, anyone who loves their brother or sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. So verse 10, love for your brothers and sisters in Christ is a sign of the fact that you're in the light. You have the gospel. It's at work in you. Love for our brothers and sisters in Christ is a sure sign that we're alive and it cuts the other way too. Um, If we're not loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, and it's like you're the walking dead, It's a little bit scary when you think about it in black and white like that, but that's what John's doing. He's painting the extremes so you can see the point. And we know the truth of it. We know that um, to be a genuine follower of Jesus needs to change the way that we we treat others as well. And our actions, what we do, speaks louder than words. Just saying you're a Christian isn't the same thing as living as one and loving others in Christ. That's the way it works. So John's saying... If you don't actively love your brothers and sisters in Christ, then your actions are speaking louder than words. He's saying as strong as he possibly can, if you don't love your brothers and sisters in Christ, you're not really alive. You're not living eternal life. It's a bit scary when you think about the negative, but it's very encouraging when you flip it around and think about the positive. If you are motivated to love your brothers and sisters in Christ, be reassured. That is an encouragement. That's all in chapter 2, and when you come to chapter 3, all these things, they come around again. It's like the, the loop um, it spirals back around to it again, the same ideas in chapter 3. So come to chapter 3, 
Have a look at verse 14 that was read for us. Love is a sign of life. So verse 14 of chapter 3, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. You see the same point being made, don't you? Um, In chapter 3, John uses two examples, a positive one and a negative one. You've got the positive example down in verse 16. It's Jesus. So verse 16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. There's the positive example of what it means to love. That's what love will look like. But then come to the negative first. It's back in verse 12. He says, do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Verses 11 to 15 talk about this negative example, Cain from the Old Testament. You read about Cain in Genesis chapter 4. And if you're familiar with Genesis chapter 4, you'll know Cain and Abel were Adam and Eve's sons. In Genesis 4 verses 4 to 5, we're told that Cain and his brother Abel, they both brought sacrifices to God. God looked with favour on Abel's offering and God did not look with favour on Cain's offering. And so Cain becomes very angry. In Genesis 4 verse 6 you read, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you but you must rule over it. Sadly, Cain gives in to that sin that's crashing at his door. He caves in to his anger and his hatred of his brother. And so as you keep reading in Genesis chapter 4, you discover that he kills his brother. Now come back to 1 John, the passage we're looking at. Look at verse 12 again. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. Cain's inability to love his brother it's kind of like the final straw the final sign the evidence of who he really is murdering his brother it shows that he actually belongs to the evil one um, Cain's actions in killing Abel show the extent to which he's given in to sin that's crouching at his door it shows you the way sin has spread since Adam and Eve disobeyed God it shows you the devastating consequences um, If you look in our passage, if you go down to verse 15, John applies this to everyone. Verse 15 of chapter 3, anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. It just clashes when when, when you see it in black and white like that, the extreme stated so clearly, it makes you squirm a bit, doesn't it? Hating a brother or sister shows what's really on your heart. Hate is a really strong emotion. It eats you up, it dominates you, makes you think all these bad thoughts about a person. Um, Remember God's words to Cain back in Genesis? Sin desires to have you. Hates like that. Eats you up, tries to control you. Um, You feed it and it it eats you up. The extreme end of hatred, yeah, it's murder. And John's overstating to kind of show where this is heading. Loving our brothers and sisters in Christ... That's going to mark us out as being different, but hatred for our brothers and sisters in Christ, it leads to a horrible, horrible, horrible mess. Now, you you might argue, well, John's overstating this um, to scare us. But if you think long and hard about it, you know there's a truth to what he's saying, don't you? If you let your hate go, 
that's where it will end up eventually. Once you write someone off in your mind and think all these negative thoughts about them, eventually your actions will betray what you really think about them. You'll be caught out in what you say and what you do. And as you feed your hatred, it eats you up. I think we need the, the black and white warning like we're given here, the overstatement, because that's where it heads. We're not finished with Cain and Abel, though. I skipped the second half of verse 12. So if you go back up to verse 12, it goes, and why did he murder him? Why did Cain murder Abel? It says, because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. So Abel didn't do anything to deserve Cain's anger, Cain's hatred towards him. Abel was righteous. He didn't do anything wrong. But that's precisely why Cain killed him. Cain hated Abel's righteousness. He hated the fact that Abel was better than him or more righteous than him, that God was pleased with his sacrifice. And it's not an isolated case. We know um, when we do what Abel did, when we are righteous, people will do what Cain did. People will hate us for being righteous. So if you look down in verse 13... Do not be surprised. This is the very next verse. So verse 12 goes, because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Verse 13, do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. If you're righteous, if you're godly, people will be angry at you. They'll hate you for it. And it's one of those sure signs that as Christians, we're different to the world. It goes on in verse 14. We know that we have passed from death to life because... We love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. You can see how he's going around and in and out around the same point, and you're getting to understand the depth of it all. Loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, it will mark us out as being different to the world, to the world around us. And we may even have people object to us being Christian, be angry at us for being Christian, mistreat us because we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, brotherly love, it's a sure sign of life. Loving your fellow Christians is a sure sign that you belong to Jesus. Um, remember, we're given two examples. We've all, all we've looked at so far is the negative, the example of Cain. As we keep working through the passage, we come to Jesus in verse 16, the positive example. So verse 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Jesus is... Um, the motivation, his, his love is the motivation for us to love others and it's the example of what love looks like. It's this self-giving, self-sacrificial love, putting others ahead of yourself. Jesus is the ultimate example. And if you've tasted and understand the gospel, you know just a fraction of Jesus' love for you. It's got to overflow in the way that you treat other people. The love we're talking about, it means putting other people ahead of yourselves. It's, it's far more than words. It's not just saying um, you're a Christian, it's being a Christian. So if you look at verse 17, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Look at verse 16, you see what love is, you see Jesus' sacrifice. If you can't even help someone in need, well, how can you say you love them? And verse 18, dear children, let us not love with words or speech but in, with actions and in truth. It's not good enough just to, you know, get on with other Christians. We need to show more than that. We need to show self-sacrificial concern for them. Call it love. 
genuine desire to put the other person before yourself. And we need to act, we need to do, and not just say. It can be very, very inconvenient to be part of a church group or a church family because other people will have all sorts of genuine needs. And as a brother or sister in Christ, you're obligated to help. The motivation needs to be one of love. Um, It's complicated, but that's the way it is. And as we strive to care for each other and put the other person before ourselves, we're showing that actually the gospel is at work work in us. It really is. As you keep stepping through this passage, you come to verse 19. If we're doing all this loving of each other in verse 18, loving in action and in truth, then it should encourage you to see that God is at work in you. So in verses 19 to 20, it goes, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. It's one of those verses, you know, you talk about and think it through. I think what it's saying is, as you seek to love others, if your heart or your conscience makes you concerned that you're not really Christian, then know that what God thinks is more important than your heart. And you get the flip side in the next little bit. So as you seek to love others, um, if your heart doesn't condemn you, well, just enjoy the fact that you know that you're saved. So verse 21, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. You know that as you love others, if your conscience doesn't condemn you, that's a fantastic thing. You know that you're seeking to please God by obeying him. And he comes back to this command again in verse 23. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he is in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us and as you go into the next verse in chapter four it talks about testing the spirits that's next week as we look at verses one to one to six of chapter four we've just you know run through the passage one quick run over it summer sermon keeping it short as you look back over it it's fairly clear isn't it loving each other is part of being obedient to god Um, it's our goal to be obedient and loving each other in christ is one way that we do that and so long as our motivation is out of understanding the gospel, so long as it's concerned that it's driven by the gospel, as we love one another, it's reassuring to us. God is at work. The fact that we're doing that shows that God is at work in us. And in the negative, as you look across the passage, you see sin and hatred. They're antisocial. They drive a wedge between people. They spoil relationship. They, they lead us to hide and to deceive. And it's the same with us and God, our wrong our wrongful thoughts and actions, they betray us. They undermine our relationship with God. They make us scared of being found out, make us scared of God's anger. Whereas obedience to God leads to reassurance. You know that God is at work in you. And that drives away that fear and that doubt. As you look back over the passage, um, we're looking at one of these tests of life. Are you really a Christian? Do you really have eternal life? Well, one of the ways you'll know is by the way you're treating fellow Christians. And you ought to be encouraged when you see the ways that you are trying to love others. Um, One of the ways you know you're alive is if we're loving our brothers and sisters. And so the question is, well, are you? Are you alive and are you loving? Are you putting other people before yourself? Not just saying it, not just pretending, but are you actually doing that? 
Are you genuinely, genuinely concerned about other people's welfare? And the top of the list in that welfare, their relationship with God. Are you looking for ways to show your love for other Christians? Or are you quick to tear other people down, quick to criticise, quick to find the negative, quick to be angry with people and write people off? As we look at um, 1 John, it is this massive encouragement to know that if the gospel is at work in us, we will be loving each other. And you've probably worked out, I've lost my notes, but there they are. Um, John, John talks about the same kind of stuff that Jesus tells us. So when you look back at John, John's gospel, chapter 13, Jesus says, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Here in John's epistle, 1 John, he's working that around and inside out and upside down, showing us what it means and letting it sink in so that we take it to heart. And as we think of this topic of loving each other, we know we fall short. We know there's ways we need to confess our sins. And so I thought that would be a helpful thing for us to do. So before I close in prayer, um, how about you take a moment just to confess your sin to God, confess the way that you need to change in 2022, and then I'll um, continue to pray. So I'll just give you a minute or so. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, we read, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for sending your son Jesus to live the perfect life that we can't live. Thank you that he died our death for us, taking the punishment we deserve. Lord, thank you for the way that we see your love in that action. And Lord, we pray that understanding the gospel and understanding Jesus' love would affect us. Heavenly Father, please help us to keep trusting in Jesus. As we trust in him, please be at work in us. Please make us sure of what we believe, certain of what we hope for. And Lord, please change us so that we are really living the gospel. We pray that you would make us aware of our sin. We pray that we'd be quick to confess and ask forgiveness. We pray that we'd be quick to obey. And above all this morning, Lord, we pray that we'll be showing genuine love for each other. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.